0: We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Please appreciate Dr. Gaga for me. Thank you, sir, for this opportunity. And Pastor Maxwell, I know he's not here. Can you please appreciate Pastor Maxwell too uh, for this? And Pastor and all the leadership of the church. Can you appreciate the leadership of the church for me? Thank you so much. Amen. I came with my friends, uh, Pastor Somi and Pastor Kyode, the Lagos, a member of my ministry of friends. Thank you so much. You have your seat. Praise the Lord. Now we have a quick dash this morning. So what I'm going to do is, I know it's a minister's conference. I had a conversation with Dr. already. So I'm going to combine what I will have said last night. Amen. And what I want to say this morning. Uh, can I come down? Can I come down? I won't come down in Jesus' name. <laughs> All right now, Luke twenty four, quickly. We'll look at redemption realities first, then we'll relate it to the work of a ministry in the second session. Luke twenty four. Oftentimes in the ministry of Jesus we have him use queries and questions to make responses. And he will give you uh, a position that frames theology. John 3, verse 2, The man came to Jesus, Nicodemus by night, ruler of the Jews, definitely. He said, thou art, he said, Rabbi, thou art a teacher sent from God, for no man can do these miracles except God be with him. And Jesus answered and said, Very, very I say unto you, except a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven, depending on the translation. Then Nicodemus answered the game in verse 4. Is it possible for a man when he's born to enter into his mother's womb to be born a second time? Jesus answered the game in verse 5. Very very, I say unto you, except the man is born of water. Notice that from every inquiry, we have some light. Born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter. And it says in verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say to you, but you be born again. In verse 8, the wind blew it, where he listened. Now that conversation led to the popular John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Jesus answering like He's not talking about Himself. For God so loved the world that He gave His Son. That He gave His only begotten Son. But the point is, from that singular conversation, from maybe a wrong position, or an inquiry, or a question, we found so much truth in them. So conversations matter a lot. Conversations matter a lot. The kind of conversations you have with people Uh, matter a lot. Like a friend said years back, he said, Paul's letters, Paul never knew his letters would become scripture. So watch what you write. I like that statement. He didn't know. It was just a letter to a church. It was not present. So he said, okay, let me send this church uh, a letter to address issues or, okay, uh, just informational. And then today they have formed the basis of our doctrinal persuasion. So, Luke 24, there's a conversation here that we're going to build into our thing or build our theme from. Now, that conversation began precisely from about verse 13. Because of our time, I'll save us the details. I'll just go into the background. Two people, Cleopas was one of them, and then presumably his wife, were having a discussion. Something had just happened. Jesus had just been killed a couple of days before, three precisely. And the disciples were confused, they were demoralized, and this was one of his disciples. So they had that conversation. So he came in their midst, that's Jesus. And then he said, ah, what kind of conversations are you having in verse 17 that you walk like this? Ah, and they looked at him like, ah, don't you have your Facebook account? You don't have Twitter? Ah, it's all over Twitter now. It's all over Facebook. And he says, "Ah." Are You a stranger? And in answer, uh, what things? Now, notice it's presumably, let's say, less impliedly, how God speaks. The questions He asks them are rhetoric, He's not asking them to get an answer from them. So, imagine God saying to Adam, Where are you? That's a rhetoric. Uh, Genesis 3, verse 8. Uh, then you have Ezekiel 37 Son of man, can these dry bones live? It's not a question that God wants you to answer And give him the answer The question, that's why Ezekiel said <laughs> Down <"Downless."> in <laughs> the rhetoric is every high So this is a rhetoric and it's part of Bible Interpretation that some things are Questions that Have answers in themselves So he says here, he says um, What manner of conversations, what things And then he said concerning Jesus of Nazareth which was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. Pay attention to verse 21. Before I get there, they said he was a prophet. Now, naturally, you dismiss what they have said as though what they have said was not true. Oh, Jesus was not a prophet. But the fact is, Jesus was a prophet. Now, these conversations are not empty. They are based on certain expectations that the Jews had from the scriptures. For example, in 18 verse 15, You have Moses who prophesied or spoke and said, A prophet will the Lord your God raise unto you like me. Amongst, from amongst your brethren So Moses had said That God will raise A prophet like him Now Jeremiah 34 verse 10 calls Moses A prophet so No prophet has risen like Moses Jeremiah 34 verse 10 So Moses is a prophet Okay Even though it's you hardly find that statement used for him Then He says like me Now the interesting thing about that conversation Moses had Was that Moses had already laid hands on Joshua So Joshua was meant to take them to the promised land Numbers 27 We start reading that from verse 17 through to 18 Down when Joshua was chosen Then the hands were laid on him The spirit of wisdom came in him and all that So why are you talking about another prophet And it's not Joshua And it says like me he says him Will you hear And is the prophet That you are going to heed Now he didn't say heed to him Like you are heeding to me, no So when you get to the To what happened in the month of Transfiguration, Matthew 17, 5 Where you had This is my beloved son In whom I am Well pleased Hear ye him Now you you read that same comment In John's baptism but there was now an addition Hear he him Of course that vision is an interpretation Of the Deuteronomy 18.15 That prophet So the average Jew was waiting For that prophet Now what's unique about that prophet Is that that prophet Just like Moses Will lead them to the Promised land That prophet Will deliver them, just like Moses Did from the hands of Pharaoh Will deliver them from the hand of the enemy That prophet Is what you can Safely call a Redeemer prophet Now look at the two things Because they are important The word prophet From scripture Now notice that I have Focused on the Old Testament Do you know why? Because Jesus did not read Romans to Revelation. Jesus did not read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Why? Because they never existed. Imagine if I show you a text message. See this text message was sent to me 14th of January 1960. You say, ah, it's not possible. Because I know. I said, well, I got this email dated 11th February 1905. You say, in my secondary school, when you tell the lies, that means nobody has believed you. Oh, yeah. They are trying to believe. Oh, yeah. that was so when you say that, you got a text in 1950. We know it's not true because it didn't exist. So Jesus could never have been referring to the book of Ephesians because it never existed. He could not have even referred to the book of John or Matthew, Mark, because it never existed. The Bible of Jesus was Genesis to Malachi, and one key import, or one key importance, sorry, in interpreting people's words is one. To use what they were using to talk. If I come to a class, and I, in the middle of the class, a law class, sorry because I'm a lawyer, I now say, if you add four and four, you will get eight. If you multiply it, then you assume I'm in a mathematics class. No, I only referred to mathematics. But it is a law class So you know because I said that The next time I have a class You now bring a mathematics textbook (laughs) You are not so smart if you do that I only made references To mathematics The only way you can understand what I'm saying Is to have a law textbook Before you If you are reading the words Of Jesus Primarily and you are using the epistles You will misunderstand it Because the context of his words Are found in the Old Testament That is the Bible he used Luke 24 25 O fool's law of to believe All that the prophets have spoken Ought not Christ Verse 26 To have suffered these things And to enter into his glory And beginning at Moses Which is agreed to be Genesis to Deuteronomy, And all the prophets He expounded to them In all the scriptures The things concerning himself It is a beginning of romance. Verse 44. These are the words which I spoke to you while I was yet with you. But all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses, the prophets, and in the Psalms concerning me. So it's very clear that his Bible was the Old Testament. So the context of his words are primarily found within the books of Genesis through to Malachi. So that's important, so that you do not interpret what he is saying, right, wrongly. Can we therefore use the epistles, oh yes, but properly? Because the epistles themselves were built on the foundations of what I'm saying. In John 5.39, you search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. They are they will testify of me. You will not come to me that you may have life. The scriptures is referring to there is Genesis to Malachi. Now, 45 is important. He says, think not i am come to accuse you for, before the Father. There's one who accuses you already. My, the word already is my own. Moses, in whom you trust. Now, I've seen people wrongly think Jesus was Invalidating Moses there. No, he was affirming him. Think not I'm come. Now, if you read from 39, he says, Those scriptures of which Moses is the primary writer, technically, testify of me. So, Jesus' validation of his ministry were the scriptures. He couldn't have invalidated the same scriptures that he sought to validate himself with. Who's following what I'm saying right now? Now, so he says, think when I've come to a case of father, there's one Muslim you trust. They say, had you believed Moses, you would have believed me because he wrote of me. There was no way in that text he could have been saying something, you know, talking down on Moses. He says, you do not believe my words because you never believed his writings. So which means that Jesus' teaching ministry Was to teach Genesis to Malachi So where you will find his words Primarily will be those words Who's following what I'm saying? Does it make sense? Good John 1 for example 16 It says of his own foolish have we all received grace for grace Then 17 The law came by, was given by Moses Grace and truth came by Jesus You find people that are careless And this is why We thank God for movements and revivals But don't read your Bible Through the lenses of Revivals and movements A movement will have An emphasis, grace Prayer, faith You know, but an emphasis Cannot Be used for all of the Bible Let me give you that instance Now Somebody will say, oh, uh, uh, the law came by Moses, was given by Moses, but thank God, grace and truth came by Jesus, thank God, that we are not not under Moses, we are now under Jesus. Who made that kind of statement? Because the Bible says the law. So, in his mind, right, he has decided to use law and grace as opposites. But that is the exact opposite of what I just read. Because that text Grace and truth Are the words of Moses Let me show you Look at it Exodus 34 And verse 6 it says, the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful, gracious, long suffering, abundance in what goodness is grace and truth. Those were the words of Moses. John was saying, Moses' words have been fulfilled by Jesus. Not that Jesus is the exact opposite of. Who's following what I'm saying here? So, the way to read. The Old Testament or the New Testament, let me say the epistles, all the four gospels, is to read them together with the Old Testament. And the way to understand the epistles, you know that in Paul's church, I'm sure you know that Paul's church, when they were doing Bible study in, in the church in Rome, they didn't use the book of Romans. And you sit down, sir. Paul said praise the Lord, good morning everybody Thank God for the life Uh, Let's begin our Bible study this morning Open to Romans 1 -1. That's Paul I Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ Separated to the gospel of God To the saints (laughs) Are you there? So if he's having a Bible study Which Bible will he use? Genesis 2? So what were the epistles for? One when he was not physically present. So physically present to do what? To teach from Genesis to Malachi. Are we on the same page? There you go. I gave you a background to Luke twenty four. So this conversation will be best understood, Luke twenty four again, will be best understood by reading the old testament. Was there a prophet That was expected Yes Is that clear Is that prophet going to redeem Yes Jeremy 18 verse 15 Even to verse 18 Now a prophet under the Old Testament Right Is the Hebrew word N-A-B-I Why do we refer to Greek and Hebrew words Don't freak out when anybody does that Again let me give you a simple illustration a story The guy was telling me I don't like all these people Causing the Greek and Hebrew It's just to make the Bible look academic I want the Bible in the language Of the Holy Spirit Anyone anyway, who talk like that Very emotional I said relax Relax I agree with you We should use the language Of the Holy Spirit He said yes I said Do you believe that God Inspired people to write In the Bible He said yes He said did God write any verse He said No so we've agreed that God used men to write Very fine I said so those men Who use their language to write He said yes I said you are from so so and so place I am an Ijebu boy Is it possible For you to have written A letter to your friend in Ijebu he said it's not possible I said why He said because he doesn't know the language Okay very good I said now are you aware that the English language is not even 1,000 years old yet? Yeah, say yes. So that means nobody in the Bible either spoke English nor understood it. So yes, yes. <laughs> Very good. So those in the old testament wrote majorly in Hebrew, majorly, he say oh yes. New Testament between the Aramaic and the Greek. He said yes. So God inspired the men to write, right? He wrote in what language? Hebrew and Greek. So the Holy Spirit inspired me to write a word language again. Hebrew and Greek. So, what's the language of the Holy Spirit again? Hebrew and Greek. Are we? In? No, it's good to take people patiently because it's just emotional. So, why do we refer to it? Because they give us a cross meaning. They give us a better rendering or some of those things. Not all the time, just uh, when we have issues. You know what? Prophet is the word nabai, Nabi. N A B I. It means a spokesperson. Now that word is not first of all A Bible language There is no Bible language as it were It's human languages Used by the Bible Is that clear? I mean, am I making sense? Everything I have said this morning I can use it in a mosque Yes now I can do it in a lecture Because I spoke English Are you making sense here? I didn't say anything that is heavenly Only that We are using it for heavenly things But there are normal things That you can hear So prophet simply means A spokesperson Somebody who carries A message For another person Now usually it is used for Supernatural beings They could be idols Used for anyone Who is their voice Who communicates Their words to others so the word prophet is falsely a spokesperson. And the first person that was called, not the first one that was, that was called a prophet in the Bible was Abraham. Genesis 20 verse 7. The house of Abimelech when God said, Abraham is my prophet. It simply meant, Abraham is my spokesperson. So, pay good attention here. The audience of the Old Testament Who understood the words prophets, Understood it primarily As a spokesperson Not as one who sees visions So a prophet is primarily A preacher Somebody who speaks Now don't forget that we are for the New Testament words, we are 2,000 years away For the Old Testament, just leave that one It's likely that words have been transformed over the years For example, if I say, ah, I'm going to church You know what I'm saying When I say, I'm going for fellowship It's not likely you think I'm going to church You think I'm going to house fellowship Self-fellowship or campus fellowship Whereas fellowship is what church is, but over the time you say, "No, I am not a fellowship pastor. I am a church pastor." It <laughs> is the same way the word evangelist. When I hear evangelist, it's crusade that is on my mind. But when I read evangelist in the Bible, it doesn't correlate because Ephesians 4:12 says, It's for the perfecting of the saints." For the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. That's in the epistles. In 2 Timothy 4, Paul told a pastor to do the work of an evangelist, 2 Timothy 4:5, in the way he preaches to his congregation. But over the time, the word evangelist has been transformed. It's just like the word apostle. Apostolos. When we are apostle now. He's a senior man But apostle in the Bible Means errand person It's not a glamorous Title Just like prophet is not glamorous Spokesperson Where PR, is pro When you say pastor Is the word In Nigeria now That's what pastor means It's not a glamorous thing so, but over the years, as before, you know, there was one guy like that that said he's now an apostle, prophet, evangelist. So he now showed a big garment that had apostle, prophet, evangelist, written on that garment. But the thing about what the tailor now did was that he put the first letters in big capital letters, then the other ones in small. So that A, big apostle, B Prophet, Evangelist. So when you see from afar, you see hip. <laughs> So, words have been transformed over the years. You know? So, if you are not careful, you are not reading the Bible meaning. You are reading the meaning you have caught around. Are we making sense here? Now, I said that to say, prophet is a spokesperson. A prophet is not firstly somebody who predicts events. No. A spokesperson. How many times did you see Abraham predict an event? But God called him his prophet. Let me for you somebody else that you'll be amazed. Jesus in Luke eleven forty nine 49 to 50 called Abel his prophet. Abel, you know, Abel, the one that we, we thought what happened was that he brought suya, his brother brought a, a vegetable stew. And God prefers suya to vegetable stew. But Abel is called a prophet. Are you following what I'm saying here? Okay, good. So, prophet is a spokesperson. Somebody in first terms whom a supernatural being who put his words in his mouth to speak to people. So in this instance, God put his words, you can say his promise, on the lips of Abraham to preach it. Noah was a prophet. God put his promise on his lips. Now, by the reason of the fact that they carried God's promise, they will also use equipment of visions and revelations. But that's not their primary office. Their primary office is to preach God's word or God's promise. Who's following this? Now, let's look at a simple test that Moses ran. Jeremy 13. A simple test. Jeremy 13, verse 1. Jeremy 13, verse 1. Moses said that if a man comes, a prophet or a dreamer, and he shows you a sign and a wonder and a dream. So 13 one. He says, and that sign and wonder, that dream, should come to pass. Now I thought that ah, that's all. Now I mean, if it has come to pass, that is all true for a prophet. He said no, and he now tells you to worship other gods. Notice there are two things. He has shown you something startling. Yes! Ah! And it came to pass. But he now says, he now says, go and worship other gods. He said, you should pick up stones and stone him. Which means what he has done is blasphemous. Because that's what the law is. Now, notice that the test is not whether his sign and wonder came to pass. His test is whether he has God's word on his lips. So, a prophet is first and foremost a preacher and teacher of God's word. The equipments of ministry... Definitely we include visions and revelations. Abraham had visions and revelations. Genesis 15 verse 1. The word of Lord came to him in a vision. Yes. Verse 4. Verse 5. Yes. But. the Primary office is God's word. Not the miraculous. The miraculous are a core part of the gospel. Nobody should talk down on it. But notice that the greatest prophet. According to the words of Jesus. Was John the Baptist. And he didn't do a single miracle. But his words were the words of eternal life. So a prophet is known primarily by the things that he said, he says. Notice something again. Moses said, a prophet will the Lord your God raise like unto me. Now, so we see Jesus in the four gospels. Who is that prophet? Acts 3 from 19 to 22, 23, Peter says Jesus is that prophet. He uses those same words. But Jesus does not match Moses in miracles. No. Jesus, when you look at the ministry of Jesus And the news of Moses in miracles Moses is way ahead Amen ah, ah, Jesus is my Lord though. <laughs> He's my Lord <laughs> In fact I mean Jesus turned water to wine For a party Moses, eh, the water of an entire nation To blood Jesus took a boy's meal To feed 5,000 Moses called the bread. Peter or oh, water. How many minutes? He's already said, ah, blah, blah, blah. Moses took an entire nation. The crosses. Are we there? Uh-huh. But Moses is not that prophet. That prophet is the one that all on his lips we are going to see will give to us eternal life. So, let's get back to Luke 24. Are we learning something? Verse 21. or well, let's start 19 first. We are trusted. Before 21, sorry. 19. It says he was a prophet, mighty indeed. Are they correct to call him the prophet? Huh? Are they correct? Let me show you one more text. John 4. There was this woman of Samaria who had the command of Jesus and he says, uh, John 4. I'm going to read verse 25 She says I know that Messiah cometh Which is called Christ When he is come He will tell us all things Jesus now answered And said I am he I am the one So He will tell us all things That she says here Is Rumi 18 15 and 18 So that Christ That they were expecting as a nation is also called the prophet that will tell all things. He would tell all things. That's the Christ. So in Luke 24, 19, those guys were right to say a prophet. But then let's look at the issue. In 21, we trusted, our theme is redemption realities. We trusted it had been he that should have redeemed Israel. Redeemed Israel. Why are they trusting? Because they are trusting from the Scriptures. So the word redeemed will be the work of that prophet. Are we there? Are we there? Now, this word in the Greek is lutros, is L-U-T-R-O-O, lutros there together, which again is falsely in what books? In the Old Testament. So, let's look at the meaning of it. Redemption. What does it mean? The first thing that we are seeing, it is, is a promise that God made about the Christ, who is the prophet. Does it make sense? Huh? Does it make sense? Does it make sense? Uh-huh. Now, so let's go to the Old Testament to understand the meaning the first thing you will notice In this conversation Jesus had with those guys Is that redemption is not personal It will redeem Israel That's why I said We are going to be able to relate to this When we start talking about ministry It's, not, it's a corporate word Is a corporate word just like salvation is not personal, even though persons are they receive salvation, salvation is a corporate word. That's why it's built from the word soteria, and a soteria is built from the word sota. A sota is a noble, a king, a vassal king who oversees a district. So salvation is not as personal as it is corporate. This is why I said. If you are here for the school of ministry Pay attention to these words Now In Exodus 6 So Is Jesus going to be like Moses? Huh? Ah Someone says, no, 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 no Is Moses going to be like Jesus? No, 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 no Wait Did God become a man? Is God like man? Or man is like God uh, Thank you You understood it now <laughs> It is God that is like man Is that clear uh-huh. Is Jesus like Moses huh? You are it in your head Like <laughs> Did God become a man uh-huh. Is God like man uh-huh. No <laughs> Did he take on our humanity uh-huh. Uh-huh. Is it clear now So is God like man Uh So is Jesus like Moses Uh, I know the Corinthians Well taught now Because some places they would say "Eh?" (laughs) say, This is heretic (laughs) But they are always grateful to say that God became like us To die for our sins They sing it in the songs But when it comes to teaching They will reject it (laughs) Amen. Are you following this? Uh, Exodus 6. Now, the word redeemed is a familiar term. It's the word gal. Two words are going to run through to the word g-a-a-l or gala. G-a-a, g-a-l-a. Let me just say it. Gala. Gala will make more sense. You remember gala. You don't know gala. You don't know gala. Uh, you, gala you, don't, you don't know gala. That's Nigerian uh, meat Is it meat I don't see meat in it you know. That meat has disappeared. This, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's goat king. you know. Sorry, it's a lie. I don't want any problem. <laughs> I'm not joking. Exodus <laughs> six, come on. So the word "gal" it means to redeem a king's man, to claim back a property for another. Now, I give the example when my dad passed on. My dad would naturally is. He's very, he's very, he's a very, very exquisite person in the way he thinks. He took his certificates and lodged it in a bank. You <laughs> all his certificates in the bank, all his first degree secondary in the bank, like his money. For him, is precious. <laughs> so I, if you, I mean, I thought that there was a lot of things in his in the bank account when I went to go and redeem his things. That's why like they bought that certificate. I said, Are you joking? <laughs> I'm looking for cash. <laughs> You're making <in> his <laughs> you know? So what the point was that when I went there, they said, um, are you his next of king? I said, Yes, I'm his first son, and at that point, his only son. So he said, Yeah, just we bear the same names. We bore anyway. So they said, Okay, he now checked his documents and said, Okay, you are his next of king, so you can claim whatever. The next of kings, that can act in your stead That can claim your family like his own So I said okay So that I checked it and said all fine He gave me the property And I took his certificate And took it home I said what did you bring from his bank University of Ife <laughs> What I did Is redemption Is that clear Now that next of king may not be your family mm-hmm. Maybe a friend. So at the back of your mind, think that God entered into a covenant with Abraham to be his next of king. So anytime his children are in trouble, God will act like Abraham. Is it making sense? Is it making sense? Okay. So the word gal, Exodus 6, the background here. Moses uh, God is talking to him. Moses said no, no? <clears throat> um, Verse 3 appeared to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob but name God Almighty But my name Jehovah I wasn't known to them Notice that when he was talking to Moses He always reminded Moses of the promise he made to Abraham Are we together? Okay, now Quickly He says in verse 6 I will bring you out from the bodies of the Egyptians I will lead you out of their bondage I will redeem you God." Okay? With a stretch out hand and with great judgments. I will take you, I will take, I will take you to me for a people. I'll be to you a God, shall know that I am the Lord God that brings you out from other borders of the Egyptians. Now look at verse 8. I will bring you to the land concerning the which I did swear to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. So what he is doing there is because of the promise he made to who? Abraham. Very good. So the word gal implies to be a next of kin, to claim property that belongs to a covenant friend or brother, to claim what belongs to another on his behalf. Are we making sense? Okay, good. Now, this phrase, you see it in other places. Exodus, again, 15 and verse 13. Exodus 15. And verse 13. Fear ye not, stand still, and see service of the Lord. Look at the word salvation of the Lord. And it says, which I you do to this day, and the Egyptians to whom you have seen, you will see no more. Now I'm mixing something up. Um, verse three actually. No. Verse 13. I read something else. <laughs> okay. For so in the mercy that was led for the people which he have redeemed and has guided them in their strength for the holy adjation. So, what he did for them is called redemption. Don't forget the term. The term is to act like a next of king. Okay? And claim back what belongs to another. Okay? Let's see other text just for reference. We have... Psalm 77 verse 15 Psalm 78 verse 35 Now Isaiah To know the part of this word The word Gala Gala is synonymous with just the same thing G-A-L-E Isaiah uses this word 13 times To describe the work of Jesus 13 times Isaiah 51 verse 10 Isaiah 51 verse Verse 10, this is Isaiah 44 as well. 51 and verse 10. Okay, that which dried the seas, the waters, the deeps, and hath made the depth of the sea a way for the ransomed, the redeemed. That's the word there. Galah, those who are redeemed. Isaiah 48, verse 20. The Lord had redeemed his servant Jacob. Isaiah 41, verse 14. Fear not, thou one, Jacob, you men of Israel, I will help thee, said the Lord, and thy redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. So you have the word Gal, Galah, used a whole lot. Now, interestingly, there are other words that. Play on this. I'll, I'll just give you the text because of our time that also talk about redeemed. Now, most of the time, when we hear redeemed, it's always like to pay a price. Okay, it's not exactly the meaning. Okay, because words oftentimes have different expressions. Now, that there's another phrase called the um p a d Double which means to deliver. When you deliver someone. First Samuel 14 and verse 45. Okay? There's another word called produce. P-E-D-U-W-T-H. is to ransom someone. That's what you that's what people do when people are kidnapped. Psalm 109. Psalm 111 verse 9. So I'll take it again. There's the what Pada? Deliverance. First. Um, Samuel 14.45 And the word Peduth P-D-U-W-T-H Which is when you pay a price Psalm 111 verse 9 Now The reason why The concept of price Is attached to redemption Is not because God is paying a price To anyone No It's because of the value placed on what he has done That is the reason why Redemption price And you see that The New Testament interpreters use the same words The word agorazo A-G-O-R-A-Z-O And the word exagorazo They are all marketplace words Where you pay for something So what you are paid for you say, Ah, that is redemption Showing you the value What's the word lutron? Lutron is the one closest to the word Gal because it refers to a next of king that comes to claim back. Luke 24:21, for example. I think there's Galatians 4:4, okay, First Peter 1:8, yeah, where you have that word lutron. Book of Hebrews uses a lot. So what is the import of this, this this thing? That's where we should go to quickly. Is that God spoke to Abraham, right? And what he said to Abraham. God I want to talk about Israel. Why are we talking about Israel, Israel? He said to Abraham, He said, In you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. In you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Now put that somewhere quickly. Let's take care of something I said earlier. So when a next of kin is going to do redemption, he will go like the person. He will sign like the one, like the person, right? So, God goes to Egypt legitimately because he has a covenant with Abraham. So, what does he say Moses should tell Pharaoh? Exodus 14 22. Israel is my son and my firstborn. Firstborn oftentimes refers to an office, okay, an office of responsibility. So which means Israel is my son, Israel has work to do for me. On what basis can he call Israel his son, his firstborn? Because he gave a promise to who? Abraham. Are we together here? So that means in the promise he gave to Abraham, the nation of Israel has an offer from God to be his son and his firstborn. So redemption makes you family. Or gives you an offer of family. Oh, is this making sense? So it makes you family. It gives you an offer of family. So the guy, the person coming to redeem, will redeem you because he's on familiar terms with you, right? And he also will restore you to a position of dignity as touching the family. But do not forget, it is an offer. So through Abraham, God acts like a king's man. A king's man. Because he told Abraham in Genesis 15, he said, your children shall go to the lands of strangers. They will be there. They will be under servitude. So said, I will come and I will visit them then I will redeem them. And Joseph said it. When he was about to die, he said, "God is going to visit you." That word "visit" is a redemptive term. To visit, to the word "card," to visit and take care of someone. So, which means that redemption is one a deliverance term, but it is also a family term. So the person coming to redeem is acting like family. Are we on this page? is acting like family. But we are only reading about Israel. I said no. God, now if you read Genesis well, this is a very quick study. You notice that it appears like the promise God gave to Abraham was to correct what went wrong in Adam. Adam also was given the duty for all the earth. Right? Abraham was given the same promise. So, which means, whatever went wrong in Adam, God corrects in Abraham. So, Abraham, and notice, when Abraham believed, Genesis 15, 6, Abraham believed in the Lord, it was counted for righteousness. The conversation God was having with Abraham and righteousness had nothing to do with sin. It was the fact that through him, God will raise a family in all the nations. Abraham now said, Sir, you've been saying this thing. I have a son, Eleazar. Forget me. Eleazar can stand in my place. Genesis 15. No, Genesis 17, sorry. He said, I have a son who can stand. No, Genesis 15. He said, Well, uh, and he said, No, not, it's not. And your air shall come from your bowels. So Say, come, let's see. He now showed Abraham all the nations of the earth. This is all that does have a child. So shall thy seed be. That is the base of Abraham believed in the Lord. It was counted to him for righteousness. The conversation was not about sin. Are we making sense? It was the fact that God will raise a family. From all the earth. Through who? Abraham. Are we, are we on the same page on this? So, when they say, What did Abraham believe? You say, Abraham believed the gospel. What was the gospel? That through him, God will raise a family. Of course, that family will receive forgiveness of sins, that family will receive sanctification. But the core issue about that promise is that God will raise a family through Abraham and that family will fill the earth. So, two things are going to happen God will not just redeem persons, He will redeem humanity. So, redemption is not primarily about you and I, it's about mankind. And as I'm going to see, I'm going to get to that later. God will also redeem the entire earth through this same work. So, redemption is quite a terminology. It means I will come in like family. Okay? I will raise children. There are sins and iniquities, right? Will not be considered Or let's use the word will be forgiven But the basis of it Is I am acting as a redeemer So the core thing is God's act of raising a family Was through redemption And he did it by giving a promise to Abraham Does that make sense? Does that make sense? So is it about Israel? No when, when God said that to Abraham There was no nation of Israel There was no nation of Israel There was no nation of Israel So it's not about Israel In fact, if you want to get a little bit further In Genesis 14 A total Total Gentile king A Gentile king and priest is not a Jew Melchizedek a total gentle king Who is a priest of the most high God Came to Abraham I like how the writer of Hebrews put it If you are a Jew You will bust your egocentricity He said We both know That the lesser Is blessed by the greater That it was this gentle guy Who is not circumcised who doesn't perform any of your feasts He's not a Jew Who blessed Abraham In today's terminology Who ordained him Amen Because he was talking about ordination He said without father or mother Now when he said without father or mother What he was saying Without father or mother in Israel He is make, made like unto the son of God He abides continually He said, this same man, now bless Abraham. How can you deny it? Abraham came back from war and he showed up. A priest of the most high king is a Gentile. He's from Jebu, I guess. And he shows up. And people argue it. What is called Jerusalem, right? Is the city of that king. So the, the foundation of Jerusalem it was founded by a Gentile king. If you say this before Jews say it on your way to the door. <laughs> you see? So this is guy came to Abraham and he offered him bread and wine. Strange. He's serving Abraham. Bread and wine in their culture is used to refresh people. How can a king be serving someone? Is a priest and king? Is a servant king? His kingdom is not a kingdom of tyranny or coercion. Is a kingdom of service. That is why Jesus is after the order of that president who is a servant king servant king are two contrary words kings have servants but this king is serving god bust our theology which we are built from human psychology that kingdom and dominion is via service melchizedek served Abraham he said, blessed be Abraham Of the most high God Possessor of earth." Heaven heaven. Abraham now took a tenth, a tithe, which in their culture Will mean that you have honored That person, why did he respond like that Because, listen to this For the first time publicly Which is what He called ordination Abraham was ordained That's ordination Abraham responded and gave the Tenth of it of people says that Abraham was blessed. You know, you'll have said God blessed Abraham. Another people say eh, Melchizedek. He did what? He blessed Abraham. So within the core of Abraham's ministry, we find Jews and Jews and what Gentiles. The next chapter, Abraham believed in the Lord. It was counted to him for righteousness Hold on Righteousness Melchizedek means king of Righteousness So what do we have there? God gave Abraham a promise Abraham and his family Are like vessels Right? They are called elect Because God chose that through them He will redeem the world The promise of salvation is not for that nation. It is through that nation, but not for that nation. Who's following what I'm saying here? So, redemption simply means that God through Abraham, eventually Jesus, right? Because Jesus is Abraham's seed. He will raise a family. Is that it? He will raise a family, a forgiving family, Right? Sanctified. Family. And the family has work to do. So redemption gives us a status and also a responsibility. Just like Israel was redeemed to redeem. Saved to save. Saved to serve. The reality of redemption is not complete if we do not know that it gives us family rights and family responsibilities. So God, through Abraham, which we see in Jesus, right, redeems the world as a king's man So he makes an offer. An offer to restore. Let's look at the word again. I give you an example. My father died. I went to his bank to claim back what belongs to him. Right? So I took it. So let's see. The world belongs to God. Right? Ah. You are not doubting that, are you? (laughs) God made man. Right? So, it therefore becomes multidimensional wisdom that God is raising a human family which is also supernatural through a human being. So, what we have is that this man he has created he now wants to claim them back Both as creator And next of king And he does it through Abraham So redemption Means To buy back Redemption Means to raise a family Israel is my son My firstborn That's what he said Go and tell Pharaoh and you know, we said earlier on that prophet is a spokesperson. Right? A spokesperson, somebody who speaks for another. So to mess, to mess this guy up, Pharaoh, said, I will put my words into the mouth of Aaron, your brother. Exodus 4, four verse 14 and 15 to 16. He said, He will be your prophet. Right? I will make you a god to Pharaoh. Exodus 7:1. So whenever they went before Pharaoh. Moses Don't forget Prophets are supposed to be Speaking for God Because God's feel They are higher than men Are we together So here's Moses and Pharaoh And then Aaron So Moses will say Tell him I said You know that's that's, that's Dominion on his own Tell him I said I'm not talking to him Tell him I said So within the cause of Pharaoh God was messing the guy up <laughs> I know because Pharaoh is also referred to as a God So you know how Tell him I said we are going He said I should tell you That we are going <laughs> That's what's going on You know in that concept So now let's view a pharaoh Who is a prince of this world Paul says I didn't know In the Lord of Glory First Corinthians 2 He's a prince of this world And as a prince of this world He represents What you can call Supernatural beings In what he does I'll view that as Jesus. Jesus is doing the same thing. Amen. (laughs) He's redeeming humanity from the hand of the enemy. He's raising a family from those who were once slaves. They are now sons. And just like Moses, he can't do it from the desert. He has to go to where the bondage is happening. Jesus had to go to where the devil was raised. He had to come and redeem a man. He had to come to the earth uh, as a man. One, He had to go to the kingdom of darkness. He had to go to the place of death. To effect a release. To effect a redemption. Moses had to go back to Egypt. And he go, goes back to Egypt. And functions as a redeemer, a deliverer. Jesus does the same thing In his death Why does he have to die? Because death is where the Pharaoh My Pharaoh has a Inverted comma Death is where the tyranny is The dominion Jesus had to die Just like Moses had to go to Egypt He dies And the third day Glory to God He crosses our Red Sea Amen (laughs) And puts us in the land of promise, eternal life. Obvious, clear enough. <laughs> Amen. So, we are sons by redemption. Amen. We are delivered by redemption. Amen. We are sanctified by redemption. Exodus 6. We are now his people by redemption. He has now redeemed us to himself. Just like my father's certificates are in my house. Amen. <laughs> you are now in God's house. Hallelujah. He has redeemed us to himself. Exodus 6 6 to 8. He has made us his own people. Amen. And furthermore, we are now carriers of his purpose on earth. Because it's not about you and I, it's about where? The whole world. So we now have family rights and family responsibilities. Amen. So, redemption confers on us rights, privileges, and duties. So, quickly, the reality of our redemption is that we are saved from the hand of the enemy. Right? We are delivered. We are saved as family. That's the offer. And we have family duties and responsibilities. You blessed? You blessed? It's time to repeat and give God praise and thank you. Thank you, thank you. Give Him praise, honor Him. All give Him praise. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information.